As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, fellow clinicians. This is Gabriel. Um, No ad today. I just wanted to encourage you all to head over to iTunes or Stitcher, uh, whichever app you guys are using, and give us a rating and review. Uh, We're trying to get up in the rankings so that other clinicians um, can find us and that they can hear what we have to say and hopefully... um, they can get informed on their practice, get informed on their therapy, um, and provide a better service um, and session to their clients um, and the people that they see. So help us by practicing abundance and spreading the word. All right, guys, thanks, and on to the episode. Consent. This is episode 24, and it is a continuation of uh, the rapport building episode that we have. And by the way, I'm Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Heather. (laughs) Um, And we're picking up where we left off, right? Yes, we are. So we go ahead. Yeah, we were we were we were talking about building blocks. Um, We brought Carl Rogers in, and I want to hit back just a minute on the building blocks. We talked about our how to have our clients see us as experts. But I think one piece that we left out is making sure we're staying within our expertise. Stay um, in your lane, folks. Yes. They need, if, if our clients are going to trust us, they need to know that we are only going to treat that with what, what we're ethically able to treat them um, for and with. You know, I use the example of eating disorders because I don't treat eating disorders. And so... To have someone who comes to me, I need to immediately say, when they disclose, say, wait, Mm -hmm. that's not what we can do here. So let me send you over to this person. Right, right. Um, No, I think that's really important, especially because it kind of, it definitely comes from that building block of that unconditional positive regard is I want to see you be as successful as I know you can be, Mm -hmm. even at the expense of, of me not seeing you. Or I know that for you to be the best you or for you to maximize your success is not with me. Mm-hmm. So I need to refer you on. Um, and I think that goes right back into that unconditional positive regard. Um, so, yeah, awesome. Um, so after that piece, we were going to go into um, this idea of, of or 
kind of go further down the rabbit hole of trust. Um, and the question that you have in our show notes is, what can be gained without trust? Which is like probably <laughs> on some like motivational poster with like, like a cat <laughs> hanging from something. <laughs> um, and um, so yeah, so tell us about from the my course. high school guidance counselor's right. office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There was like everyone that was right. possibly there, but really, I mean, nothing, nothing comes without right. trust, does it? Nothing good. And we think about this, this relationship we have with clients, this therapeutic alliance, it is the single most important building block we have for treatment. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is the best indicator of outcomes for our clients so much more important than what technique we use or what intervention we use or what model we come from. We get real fixated on that, right? Mm -hmm. But really, to some degree, it doesn't really matter which one we choose as long as we figure out where they are in the stage of change and help them through that stage. We can use an array of models. It really Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily matter. Mm -hmm. But if they don't trust us, then nothing is going to accomplish. Yeah, Right. Right. And I think... To that point of of um, the foundation being laid before any kind of um, theory can be um, applied, to me what I also hear is your theory that you lean towards or your technique that you lean towards is just your vehicle to get to get you, the therapist, to help, I guess maybe to help them. All right, so I'm going to change this analogy <laughs> to, uh, to be a guide. So... I often explain to the parents that I see as therapy and, and this counseling is going to be a guiding process where I'm I'm basically going to have this flashlight and we're going to guide them to where they're, they're going to decide where they're going to go and I'm just going to point the flashlight to help guide their way. Your therapeutic model um, is just your flashlight. Yeah. Depending on how good you are with it, it's going to be how bright it's going to be. So like you said, if someone comes with an eating disorder, you may be guiding them with nothing. And you may mm-hmm. all be bumping into trees at the same time, as opposed to leaning towards your essential oils, and sure. then you're, you have a all the other like things. Yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but it is you. We've I think we've said this before. You're the the technique, the theory you use, the model that you use is your guide. It's your map. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the relationship to take right. that journey together mm-hmm. to make those travels. Correct. We have said that. Um, and, and I, you know, I can't say that. If, I think I read, and I do not know what article I read it in. I wish I would have kept this article because I read it so it. long ago. <laughs> no, I know I read it. And so I will not be quoting the person, and I'm sorry. Um, but it said that 80% of counseling or social work or whatever it was is about just being there with mm-hmm. the person through the nasty and not looking away mm-hmm. and that the other 20% is technique and knowledge. Yeah. Like it is about that ability to join with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, it was one of my professors in, in graduate school always um, use analogy, use the analogy of holding your breath underwater mm-hmm. and especially with clients that have that trauma is they're looking to you. It's like when the session begins, it's we're all going to go underwater. And, um, he especially made it clear that we needed to stay with that client with where they were. Um, because if we came up too soon, that was letting them know that 
we weren't ready to hear what they had to say or mm-hmm. we couldn't be with them through that um, that experience. Um, so it's it's about staying underwater and then coming up together and then taking that, that breath out of the water. Um, so yeah, that's what I... That's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I remember. But yeah. I often do think of that, especially when things are starting to get deep and, and that trauma starting to come out is like, I have to stay underwater with them, even though, um, yeah, let them have this have to go to another client or even though, never mind. I'm like, I got a soapbox. <laughs> no, um, but let them have this emotion. Yes, let's let there. this emotion be real and let's validate this emotion right. because they need that. Right. We can't move into how do we fix this? We can't right. yeah, pass yeah, yeah. the tissues to them. We can't do any of that right. because then we've come up before they're ready for us to. Right. Um, and then even that reinforces that level of trust mm-hmm. because it's, they were able to sit with me and they were okay with it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's it's strengthening that um, even way, 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 way down the road. You know, because they may not get to that point where they are they are having that come apart um, until you know months into the session, and then there's that other big test again of can I trust you with this? Yes, I remember hearing a story. And again, I wish I knew who the storyteller was because this is all just coming into my head right now. This is so unplanned. <laughs> um, I like to quote people apparently. Um, But it was a story of a counselor. She was, like, new. It was one of her first cases, and it was just chaos in the home, right? And at one point, they were, like, fighting. There was glass broken. There was a big mess. And she looked at the parent and looked at the mom and said, help me help your children. How can I help Mm -hmm. you help your children? And years later, they all came back to see her in her office. Uh Um And I can't remember why or how or how that Uh took place. But the mom said the game changer for her was, I knew you had no idea what you were doing. Like, I knew it was written all over your face. The mom said that to the clinic. Yes. But you telling me, I don't know what to do, but you know what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll help you do it was what changed for their family. It Mm -hmm. made that difference. Mm -hmm. It was not that taking away of that power of, I'll Mm -hmm. fix this. It was... I don't know. Well, I mean, even to that point, like how often do we have the answer for any of our clients? Mm -hmm. You know, I have met clinicians that are like, I know what to do. It's like, all right, whatever. But like, how often do we truly know what that client needs? I mean, probably, I almost want to say never because we're not the expert of their Yeah, because if we spout off all these things that they need to do, we have just totally invalidated them. Mm -hmm. We have not given them the power to do it for themselves or to do it the way they need to do it. Right, right. And I think that empowerment piece is huge um, for me uh, because I'm always looking to empower my clients because I think that's where change really happens. Um, that's just where, <laughs> that's the flashlight that I <laughs> lean towards. Um, but it is, it's, it's, I can't, I, I'm only here to be with you. I'm only here to be your guide. Like I can't do, I can't fight any of your demons mm-hmm. for you or with you. It's, it's, I'm, I'm here with you and in, in trying to give them back, not probably not give them back their power, but almost remind them that I cannot take their power, that they have all of, all of mm-hmm. the tools that they will need to be successful because more than likely they either have never been told that or need to be reminded, like that mom, that they have all the tools they need Mm -hmm. to be successful. And I'm going to set with you through this. Mm -hmm. Like, 
we, 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 none of us know what to do right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to do this together. Right. I'm here. Right. Um, yeah. On that note, I have, um, a quote, um, and I do know who it's from. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you prepared. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I have actually listened to a ridiculous amount of podcasts and, um, Every now and then, if I hear something really good, I write it down. And this is one that I actually have on, on a cork board in my house. Um, and it's from one of my – the first podcast I ever listened – the first series of podcasts that I ever listened to, which is Barbell Shrugged. And one of the guys on there, Doug, um, I don't know what they were talking about. But he said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, and that was from a perspective of, of um, like being a strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. Did the same thing. Um and it is, it's because of the same thing, it's applicable here. Because if, if you want to go fast, come into that client and say, all right, I know what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 this. We're good to go. And then I'll see you again in three months <laughs> exactly when you're approved right, again you're right. for in-home because we yes. didn't make elastic change. Yes, nailed <laughs> mm-hmm. it. Um, but if you want to go far, go together. Is, is that exact quote, help me help you. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's do this together, hand right. in hand. Right. But the, again, that going far cannot be done without that trust and that rapport being built. Um, so it may be a decision of um, you're going fast because you did not build that rapport. Um, yeah. And the client will not is is um, will I guess is not is not allowing to go with you. Well, and you have to pay attention to the speed mm-hmm. at which this is traveling, right? It will tra- it will happen faster in some settings, slower in others. Different clients will will travel at different speeds when it comes to building rapport, right. readiness, all that stuff makes a difference. But one of those basic building blocks that we didn't say is paying attention to speed. Right. You know, and what are those indicators that you look for when you look at speed? One it's Something you said was, what's the surface level? Are we talking about surface level stuff? Right. When I go deeper, does he clam up and say, no, I want to talk about that right or now? It, yeah, like is it vice versa? Is that client coming up for air? Yeah. Yeah, what's that look like? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the other piece of it is nonverbals. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about nonverbals much in this. But nonverbals, or we didn't talk about it at all, yeah. tell you a lot. Like, what is their body posture? Are they making eye contact? Do they trust me? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's pretty huge. And you can, when you start to see those indicators that they're making eye contact, they're not rigid anymore. Uh-huh. They seem relaxed in your office. You know, they're engaged in the activity that you're doing if it's with kids mm-hmm. or they're pretty standoffish um, or they're disclosing more and more. You know, those those are indicators that you can start to speed that up. Right. You can go with them. You know, if, if they're not giving you those, then you need to keep building rapport. Mm-hmm. Right. And that just may be... Um, something that you do for a longer period of time with mm-hmm. some clients. And th- we can talk, uh, if you want to go down this road right now, we can kind of keep it with our show notes. But I'm thinking, like, developmentally, what are you, what kind of time frame are you looking at? Because I cannot think of a client that I had that was, like, between 15 and 18, but that rapport process was any kind of fast. <laughs> it, was, no. it was long and it was arduous. And if, you know, most of my time has been an in-home. Um, it was maybe like month two before they were like opening up or even like acknowledging that I was in the room. Yeah. And, and like, as we said in the last episode, even with teenagers who are ready to do the work and that's not always the case, right? 
it's still a different process and it's still a slow process because they still don't trust you, even though they're ready to do the work. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I was going to say something else, but it it wasn't pertinent. Um, So what other factors play um, uh, at speed of building that report process? Developmental is huge. Mm -hmm. And Um, age, yeah. And age, I almost want to say throw um, generation in that also. Sure. Um, I think. And that's where background comes in too. Yeah. You know, what, what is their, what do, how do they view the counseling process? Right. And I think the one client that I'm thinking of is living with his grandparents and they were, uh, they were grandparents, blue collar, like they grew up doing blue collar work, manual labor stuff. And it was like, everything's fine. <laughs> it's like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it took, it was probably, probably was even longer than the adolescent than the client that I had before the grandfather was like it's like sat down for session and was like all right I'll be here like not verbally but he you could tell like body language wise not verbal wise mm-hmm. it was like he was listening right, you could tell here. he was listening yeah. yeah yeah um so that plays a factor in it in it also um yeah. go ahead you know and we we think about Culture, socioeconomic status, you know, Mm -hmm. those play a a role in it too. Can I trust this establishment person who's coming into my house kind of thing Mm -hmm. as well? You know, or is this stuff we talk about? Do we talk about what happens outside of this family? Right. Yes or no? You know, is that okay? Um, Or do I have to keep this a secret? Can I invite other people into this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's... That's big too, and I think, um, I don't know. I, I lean, kind of talking about that narrative therapy a few minutes ago. I lean away from that cultural perspective, mm-hmm. um, but I do remember a, a specific family who I saw for three months, and it was like the last session where the client was finally like, "This is what's going on," and it was just like, "Now everything makes sense. This is why we've made no progress whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's because there are overt rules in your entire." between his his sisters and his mom, they were all living in the same house. There are overt rules where we just kind of talk around these issues. And it was like, you want to look at it like a puzzle. It was like 50% missing, but they were like, no, it's done. And I'm like, looking at the puzzle, it's like, there's a lot missing. And they're like, no, it's done. It's like, oh, so from a family perspective, it was, these are the rules Mm -hmm. that we just don't talk about. And if you don't know the rules, there's no way. Couldn't yeah. even be built. Sure. Rapport was built three months later when the client was finally like, "No, this is what really happened," mm-hmm. and it was also very much like he didn't know the overt rules. He was like, "No, like this happened. Like Gabriel, where have you been? Like, duh." And I was, and he hadn't made the connection that they were overt rules yet. It was just he didn't. Yeah. It was, and so you talk about speed. That's mm-hmm. three months yeah. of building rapport. Um. So. Um, so yeah, what about gender? Um, what can you say about that? I'm trying to think about examples that I've had um, where gender's been an issue with speed. I think it can have it. It has to do with it. if you have a male in your session, and he specifically trusts males more than he trusts females, and so some of this is individual mm-hmm. as well. Then. Is it going to be slower for me to build rapport than it would be for you to build rapport? Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think. I haven't had, actually had very many female mm-hmm. clients. Um, 
at all. Actually, I can probably count on one hand how many I've had. Um, so I don't know. I can't really speak to that. And some people, based <laughs> on their own personality, their own individual um, preferences, mm-hmm. they will seek out a male or a female counselor. Right, right. That is true, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, age age plays a big factor. Um, I had a... Remember so specifically, like whether or not you trust me based on my age. Oh um, yeah, that's huge. Can play a big factor too. I had um, a a client who called and was referred to our agents, referred to our our practice, but to another counselor, and that counselor could not see her for for months Uh because she just wasn't accepting new clients at the time, and so they said, but but Heather Cliff's here and she can see you. Uh And she's like, I need to talk to her first and let me make sure this is going to be worth my time. And I love that. I was like, okay, interview me on the phone. Yes. And we hit it off. It was like, yes, let's do this work together. And she came in and I walked out um, into the waiting room and her face just kind of froze. And I was like, Oh crap. Like, like, did I forget to tuck something (laughs) in? Did I tuck something in that shouldn't have been tucked in? And she came back and she said, don't tell me how old you are, but I kind of need to know a ballpark. And I was like, oh, so I'm younger. I was about 20 years younger than her. Mm-hmm. And it was, this is a big deal for her. She didn't come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just had a hard time getting past that. Right. Um, she said, just at least tell me that you're not in your 20s. Oh, <laughs> and no. I was like, oh, we're good there. You sure you don't <laughs> want to know how old I am? I'm wondering if it's. If it's relevant to talk about what those issues may have been about. Yeah. Like, was it what I think, and I don't know what this says about me, is um, if I have, like, an older client and I'm helping them, I'm wondering if if that was a situation. If they're thinking, do I, A, not want to take it, listen to this person who is 20 years younger than mm-hmm. me, or... Is it that self, is that projection of th- this person has their life together, and I don't, and I can't handle that? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering. I don't even know. It probably doesn't matter. But I, well, and and it it is it depends on on each person, and right, so that's yeah. why I always say, you know, what is your concern about the age? Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. So we can go ahead and see if we can get past that now, mm-hmm. or if we need to refer you to somebody you'd be more comfortable working right. with. Right. Um, it doesn't come up much, but sometimes it does. Right, right. Hmm. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of that because I don't have it. You know, I work with kids, so <laughs> no. they know that. Like, they know you're older. Fifty. <laughs> How old do you think I am? Fifty. I know everybody uh, <laughs> thinks you're fifty, right? Um, so, what about us? What about us as the therapist? Um, and I wrote in quotes because I always ask in, in the first session: "Is what questions do you have for me, or what do you?" want to know from me or about me um and i get all always get different answers mm-hmm. i had a kid once uh, ask me and then we had a whole 20 minute conversation um if i was married which was totally ir- irrelevant because he was 10 mm-hmm. um if how long i'd been married which didn't matter to <laughs> it wasn't like these circumstances mm-hmm. this later that came in <laughs> like it said no relevance yeah, to him none no bearing he, we just talked about about that whole thing um, and, uh, we ended up talking about like babies and kids and whether or not I was going to have kids and, and that kind of stuff. And I even remember asking him like, I'm not going to have kids. And what do I do if I have a kid? And then he, it quote unquote educated me on 
what I needed to do to like raise a kid. Um, and, but the, for whatever reason, like we hit it off really well. We had really good rapport because that worked for him. It right. let him know that you're safe. You're not just here to talk about all the right. things he does wrong. You're here to build a relationship right. with him. Right. So I always lead with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and self-disclosure is one of those building blocks. It's mm-hmm. one of the ones that we didn't necessarily talk about, but it is one of those building blocks. Um, and you have to be careful about the timing and how much you disclose and, and what you're comfortable disclosing mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. And it'll be different for each client for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but it is very important. And that I like that you said that you asked that question. What question do you have for me? Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the first questions I try to ask, yeah. um, or at least ask it in the first session. Mm-hmm. But especially if someone's, if someone's been to counseling, I always say, what do you want to know, you know, about my, my style or about me that's, mm-hmm because you've been in this process before and it may or may not have worked. But also too, if this is our first time, like what questions do you have before we get going? Like, right. I don't want you to have to disclose if you've got some question you want to ask me before right. we even get rolling. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, but also to make sure, I mean, on that note is to make sure that that self-disclosure is appropriate to mm-hmm. the therapeutic relationship, um, which I think is important. And I think if it is done right, I mean, of course, it's to me, it's more of that. Um, it's more of that, like foundation being solidified or just made sturdier, of um, kind of disclosing something that they're asking. Is, yeah. Okay, I can't really trust them because this, you know, they either maybe not went through the same thing, but they trust me, so I, you know, I can trust them a little bit more, also. Yeah, because they've they've told me something about themselves. Right. They've given a piece. Yeah. Right. Um, and two. They care about what I think. Mm-hmm. They're asking me what my questions right. are first and foremost. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah I like never, I, I don't even lead with what my expertise is or how long I've been doing this uh-huh. or, or anything. I just say, my name's Heather Clift. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm an LPC. This is what that means. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know right. about this? What questions do you have right. before we get started? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that's important because It also gives the opportunity for you to learn and for them to tell you what's important to them. Mm -hmm. You know, so if they, like I know something that I've been asked before is if I have kids, um, because that may be important of how are you going to help me parent when you don't Mm -hmm. have any kids yourself, um, type of a thing, but also just to kind of probably also gauge how old I am also. Um, so, but also making them feel comfortable around that. And like you just said, you know, what are the issues around this or what can yeah, I help? Because it tells you so much about where they're coming from, right. the questions they ask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Well, I want to talk just for a minute about, yeah, but ahead. it sounds like we're, we're, are we running out of time? Uh, no. Okay. We, we had put in here speed, um, and the differences in the different settings. Oh, yeah. We totally see yeah. that. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about your recent experience because okay. you have recently begun doing some outpatient in private practice. I Kudos have. to you. Thank you. Um, and you, so you've bridged that gap um, much more recently than I have. And you're still doing actually both jobs. You're yep. still working in the community and private practice. So what are the differences in building rapport and the speed of that? What have you seen? What has been your experience? Um, I thought it would be, um, I thought it would be very different because coming from an in-home perspective, I feel like building that rapport is that much easier because they're in a completely relaxed in their own setting. Mm -hmm. So the, their, um, willingness to 
um, to be forthcoming, to be open is much easier because they feel safe. Um, so I thought it would not be an uphill battle, but I thought it would be a little harder than it would be in the in-home session. Uh, I mean, in the in the office setting, um, because it had been a while since I was in an office trying to do a session, and now I'm trying to think of what that um, what that first session was like with the client that I do have. Um, I I can't I honestly can't remember um, what I was thinking as as far as rapport building, but it I remember was, you saying something about. That oh, some, some you remember the, um, that it was like you were in a different atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so the click was real easy for you that like, this is what we do in an office setting as opposed to this is what we do. And oh, yeah. I an in -home do setting. remember having some, um, anxiety about like, um, I'm not, I mean, cause all of my, all of my clients are kids. So like today with my, with one of my clients, I was like, let's go outside and go for a walk, and he didn't want to walk. He wanted to race, so he darted around the yard, and I, like, quote-unquote, timed him. Um, so it was like, what am I going to do with, like, <laughs> like an adult? Uh, do you want to race outside? Um, so I did have some anxiety around that, but I do remember kind of coming into the, to, to the office and um, being able to, yeah, make that switch, and it wasn't even, like, a, it wasn't even a, a conscious thing. It was just kind of, like, just kind of sliding into like a slipstream of just kind of that's this is where we're going now. Mm -hmm. um, so the transition was virtually non-existent, and I uh, not that I made a big deal or had a lot of anxiety about it, but I just it was a thought in my head, and I was like, I hope this goes well, which is which is very me. Um, but I just remember it just kind of being like, all right, mm -hmm. this is where you go. Um, but I don't, as far as like the rapport goes, um, it was very much just an honest. I mean, it was just an honest conversation of, this is what we, this is what, what we do here. This is how I can help you, and, and you know, what are the things that you want to work on? And it was like that, that oh, no, I can't remember what episode we talked about it. It may have been the stigma episode that we that we talked about, um, where it was just, kudos to you for wanting to be better, and sure. now we're gonna go on a journey to make you. Um, the best possible to optimize yourself and there are issues going on um in your life that you need help with and so we're going to go on a journey to not skirt those or not brush them aside but for you to understand and accept and tackle them and maybe take those with you or maybe not but help you build um i guess probably a foundation for the rest of your life so that you can be successful so this is just going to be a springboard for the successful person that you are going to be um, in the months to come. Mm -hmm. um, so I approached it from that whole perspective, which was totally different than what I would do for any of my community mental health clients because they're all children. Um, sure. <laughs> but it was um, it was that this is, this is an alliance, and we're going to go together. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that's how we started. And, yeah, it's just it's different, I think. Mm -hmm. The speed can be different. It probably depends on the client, too. Um, but building rapport in the, in the home and community setting is different than yes. in the office. And, you know, one of the ways it's when, – when you talk about looking at the pain and the mess that's there mm -hmm. um, and the challenges that are there and not looking away, 
what better way to do that than in somebody's house? Like you get a quick look at that. And if you are not judgmental and they don't see you like looking around, like trying to wipe off a place to set or, you know, just like you're there, you're ready to work, you plop down and you're just like, this is your house. How can I respect your your rules in your house? Then you're in there. Right. And that just, that is different in an office setting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, um, there's probably more the, um, the reserve is probably flipped. Mm-hmm. So when you go into someone's house, I feel like I have the reserve. But then when a client is coming into an office setting, they have that reserve. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the, those emotions um, are just kind of are just flipped a little bit. Um, but I think it's the, it's the ther- it's our job to um, make all of those spaces just as safe as any one that they would prefer. Absolutely. So. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see um, as I juggle the two even more um, and get new clients in each one to see how those are all um, – to see how those are. I probably should just pay attention to it. That way I can answer your question yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you think about, too, like um, where you'll be with that client – in a few months, as opposed to someone that you're spending 10 hours in their house with oh, a yeah. week. It's just, totally it's a different speed because yeah. you're spending more time with them. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Maybe, maybe not though. Maybe he's ready to do the work. Who knows? Yeah. You know, or she's coming in and, and you guys click right away. Mm-hmm. You know, a teenager who feels like they click with you, you can do so much more work with them right. than the ones that you have to really spend time yeah. listening to all the stories about, you know, and you're interested in them, but you spend more time doing that to build the groundwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I'll give you an update. Yeah. And then we'll see what what happens. Um, Anything else? Yeah. I don't have anything else. There's probably so much more. Yeah. Something else we need to talk about. What, if you have questions, if our listeners have questions that we did, Mm -hmm. things we didn't cover, things we didn't think about, things we got right or wrong, Shoot us an email. Let yeah, us know. Um, so we can maybe we can follow this up with another one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's probably more episodes that we could do on reports. So if you have those ideas, obviously feel free to send them in. Um, but that's it from us. So until next time, guys, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Join the conversation every week after the episode over at informedconsentpodcast.com. This is also where you'll find archived episodes and show notes to each episode, plus our recommended reading list for clinicians wanting to take their education to a new level. Go there and click join the conversation now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.